Join us now for Health for Life, brought to you by Hamilton Healthcare System. Today we're talking with Dr. Ashish Kabir of Hamilton Physician Group in Dalton. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Kabir. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you are. Dr. Kabir is a neurologist at Hamilton Physician Group Neurology, located inside the Medical Plaza across from Hamilton Medical Center. He and Dr. Juan Gonzalez diagnose, treat, and manage issues related to the brain spinal cord, nerves, and muscles. They specialize in the care and treatment of Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, seizure disorders, migraines, carpal tunnel syndrome, and strokes. Dr. Kabir, why did you choose, of all things, to become a neurologist? Okay, I I guess um, I think my fascination with neurology probably started when I was a final year or late medical student, um, you know, close to graduating, you know, neurological diseases, diseases of the brain and spine tend to be very severe um, conditions a lot of the time. And honestly, for many, many years, these diseases have been around, but we really haven't had treatments. Right. We really got to use science a lot. um, And I realized that in the coming years, we're really going to try to provide some uh, management options and treatment to some very, very severe, henceforth, like uh, until now, untreatable diseases. And it's just exciting to be a part of that and just really be able to help some patients out that we really haven't had too many options for in the past. That is, you're right on the cutting edge. That's exactly right. As new things come along, here you go. That is wonderful. That is is wonderful. I know there's not much spare time for a doctor, but when you have spare time, what are some of the things you'd like to do away from the office and away from patients? Uh, So, uh, you know, just getting used to Dalton over the last year, year, a little over a year, um, you know, we've had uh, some opportunities to explore the trails around here, had lots of friends over for, um, you know, enjoying and just, uh, you know, settling into the practice. The patients have been fantastic. The staff has been fantastic. So just getting used to that kind of stuff over the last year or so. And you've yeah. been you've been in Dalton, Georgia for about 18 months, you said? About 18 months or so, yes, yeah. Yeah, where are you from? I'm originally from Toronto, Canada, but I did my training in Wisconsin. Um, part of my training I did in Georgia. We fell in love with it and was always looking for an excuse to come back. So. I understand. Was this in Atlanta? It was, was mostly in Atlanta, yes. Yeah, I yeah. understand. Toronto, what a beautiful city. It was great. It's great. It's a great city. My parents are still there, but... But we like uh, the warmth um, of the people as well as the temperature in Dalton a lot. (laughs) I understand. I have been to Toronto one time, and the one thing that I recall, I went to see the Atlanta Braves play baseball. They were playing the Blue Jays uh, in the World Series. Right. right. And I went went to see one of the games. And the one thing that I remember is they, they flew us in, they put us on a bus, and took us on a chartered bus to where they were playing. And it was a such a clean city. I mean, it was just so clean and everybody in Toronto was so friendly. (laughs) I'm glad you had a great time. I think, you know, maybe some of that comes from our shared love of food. I think that might be where some of it comes from. (laughs) Oh, it was, it was, what a, what a beautiful city that was. What a beautiful city. And your parents are still in Toronto. They are, yes. Do they come visit? They do. Of course, uh, COVID has made things, you know, difficult for all of us, but thankfully they're all healthy and, um, you know, we're, we're doing our best to try to prevent the spread as much as we all should be, right? Well, I understand that. I definitely do. You came in with your mask and you were ready to go. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about how Dr. Kabir helps his patients who experience seizures. We'll be right back. 
If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. Health for life. Simply put, that's why Hamilton Medical Center is here. From primary care clinics near you, an accredited chest pain center, a certified joint replacement program, and more, Hamilton is here for you and your family. Hamilton Medical Center, proud to be named number one in the Dalton, Chatsworth, and Chattanooga region for medical excellence in overall hospital care by CareChecks. Learn more at HamiltonHealth.com. And we're back on Health for Life. We're talking with Dr. Kabir. Dr. Kabir, you know, I've got some questions about seizures. First, what is a seizure? Okay, um, so seizures are um, a condition where there are physical findings or changes in behavior that occur after abnormal brainwave activity, essentially. So what happens is your brain... um, Instead of doing its normal tasks like, oh, you know, keeping you breathing, telling, keeping your body parts sort of moving, all of that kind of stuff, they sort of, for reasons we don't quite completely understand, lose control and um, sort of rhythmically start firing. A part of the brain just starts firing and does its own thing. So I guess what we see in the patient um, can be of different types. So there's there's multiple different types of things that you can see. You can either have, um, uh, you know, specific symptoms or you can have more sort of things that you wouldn't think are seizures as symptoms as well. So we can talk about some of that stuff. Um, what I guess I'm trying to get across is it's hard to tell when someone's having a seizure because you can have things that are as simple as the patient just stares for some time or just loses awareness which you might not even notice because it's so brief or it can be more complicated than that, you know, and uh, they can include symptoms like a brief blackout or confusion periods, strange changes in behavior, picking at one's clothing or fingers, um, drooling, eye movements, grunting. Sometimes there can be mood changes, whole body shaking. Sometimes there's loss of bowel or bladder control associated with it. Um, The patient can quickly just sort of fall down, you know. Um, There can be taste changes. Um, Sometimes it can go on for some period of time and there can be changes in breathing. Sometimes breathing can stop. um, And then there can be uncontrollable muscle spasms, which, uh, you know, can last a few seconds. Any of these symptoms can last minutes. And very rarely um, you can have conditions where seizures start at a minute, two minutes, and can go into five minutes or longer. Really? Yeah, and sometimes to the point where they can go on for days without stopping. Oh, my, uh, so yeah. dangerous. Yes, oh, yeah. That would be bad. And, of course, that's very serious. Yes. And uh, we uh, we would strongly encourage anybody who is exhibiting, you know, behaviors that seem odd for long periods of time uh, to get evaluated, you know, using 911 if necessary. So, yeah, so that sort of summarizes, I guess, what seizures are. 
but they can be many different things, I guess, is my point. Well, you, you've, you've mentioned many different types of seizures. Yes. Uh, what are the different types? So if you want to break seizures down into two major types, um, there's generalized and focal or partial seizures. Okay. Um, sometimes um, people refer to these things as either grand mal or petit mal seizures. These are old terms that we don't really use so much. But essentially what they refer to is this. If you have generalized seizures, uh, typically both halves of the brain are involved. Um, and typically they're more, um, I guess disabling isn't the right word, but they're more noticeable sometimes. Okay. You know, So the patient could, could say cry out or lose consciousness or fall to the floor. You're unlikely to... Um, see long generalized seizures as, what was that? You know, they tend to be more, uh, you know, more uh, noticeable. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, uh, you know, they don't have to be. Uh, absence seizures are generalized seizures. And what's that called again? Absence seizures. Okay. It's essentially a quick staring episode. Sometimes the patient will just sort of blink a little bit um, and maybe pick at their fingers, but mostly they just kind of stop in time and then kind of restart. Um, and that's all you'll see in the patient. Um, and Does that the patient the know they've done this? They don't. Um, a lot of the time, uh, the patient is just doing what they're doing. Then they have their seizure, and they just continue what they're doing after. They're actually kind of very unusual behaviors to see, and people are just like... What just happened over there? Right, <laughs> you know, I understand. Time, sure, yeah. yes. And the person he they have he or she has no idea. He or she has often has no idea. Wow. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Um, you can also have uh, partial seizures or what used to be called petit mal seizures, I guess, or focal seizures nowadays. Um, these are these are typically areas that don't affect uh, seizures that don't affect both sides of the brain. They typically affect one side or one area of the brain. And um, what can happen is a seizure that starts in one area of the brain can actually spread to the the other side and become generalized. So that's one type, or they can stay in one area. So you can just have, say, repeated hand movements, um, and that's all that continues, because only one area of the brain that's responsible for controlling that particular hand area is the part that's um, that's abnormal, and that's having that that's where the seizure is coming from. Well, now, I so, heard you, I heard you, I'm sorry, didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you. I heard you talked about talking just then, and as you talked, you said it might go to the other side. Right. Is it usually when you have a seizure, it only stays on one side of the brain? No. So um, that's a little hard to... Um, most seizures try to get across from one side of the brain to the other. So it'll um, affect the other side of your body? Uh, the other, And affect the whole body or the other side of your body. That's right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So what happens is a seizure that starts on one side can have symptoms on one side and sometimes very quickly within seconds or less um, can go over to the other side of the brain and it can look like the whole body is affected and it's a generalized seizure, where really, in fact, it was a, a, a focal seizure or a partial seizure that it started off as. Um, I understand. Okay. Yes. And then just went to the other side. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So all of these uh, processes are um, relatively complex in terms of trying to diagnose them, but a neurologist can help you figure out exactly what kind of seizure you have. And of course, that has strong implications for treatment and, um, um, you know, uh, and disease course, you know, what will happen to you when you have seizures. So that's how you figure that out. Now, are there typically any warning signs before a seizure actually happens? Yes, there can be. Um, certain patients can feel unusual signs and symptoms like a feeling of fear or anxiety. People describe nausea or a feeling of something rising in their in their um, gut or chest. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you can have visual symptoms such as light or uh, flickering lights or things like that. You can have a feeling of vertigo, um, but 
some seizures happen very quickly without any warning signs at all. So that actually um, uh, can be seen as well. It really depends on what happens inside the brain um, in terms of electrical activity. Um, and uh, as I say, we can tell that um, from uh, certain studies that we can um, you know, uh, do on the patient to try to figure out where their seizures are coming from. Well, do you see a lot of young people and a lot of older people or both? Yes. So I'm glad you said that. So there's actually two peaks in seizure incidents, if that makes sense. So they're very common in children and young adults, mm -hmm. and then not that common in sort of, you know, between, say, about 25 to about, in you know, 50s, mid-50s or so. And then there's a peak again um, after age 55. So very common in the young, very common in the old, a little less common in that middle sort of age group. Well, do, do you feel like that... Maybe for the young, the brain is still developing, and then once it develops, we're good, and then as you get age on it, it starts to deteriorate again? Right. So that's part of it. Um, uh, the the developing brain um, uh, definitely goes through a lot of changes, and sometimes the brain, I guess, makes mistakes, and mm -hmm. that's where seizures come from. But also a lot of genetic epilepsies or inherited epilepsies um, are seen in patients that are younger. Um, and, uh, um, you know, uh, whereas uh, seizures that, are, that occur or epilepsies that occur in patients that are older uh, – tend to be more um, uh, provoked, if that makes sense, or have at least a triggering factor. So things like tumors or cancers in the brain, something like that, or um, strokes um, that can cause seizures um, are more frequent in, in the older population. And I think that's where some of the increased stroke incidence in that age group comes from. Now, a couple of times you mentioned epilepsy. If someone has a seizure, does that mean they have epilepsy? Right. So I'll make that distinction. Um, there are many things that um, uh, can cause um, seizures that um, are a one-time thing. So, for example, things like low blood uh, sugars or high blood sugars, high fevers, alcohol withdrawal, drug withdrawal. These things can cause seizures. One seizure, one time. If you don't have low blood sugars again or high blood sugars again, in theory, you shouldn't have a seizure again. Okay. So those um, are called... Um, um, uh, provoked seizures. Um, when a patient has either two unprovoked seizures, 24 hours apart or longer, or what's known as a seizure syndrome, such as a genetic tendency to having seizures, um, that's called epilepsy. So epilepsy is the disease, I guess, where you're at um, higher risk of having seizures a number of times. Now, how do you diagnose epilepsy? Right. So epilepsy uh, diagnosis actually involves um, multiple test types that you can do. The most useful thing, one would argue, you is uh, the uh, history of what actually happened. So whenever you come to see a doctor, they're going to ask you in um, prolonged uh, detail exactly what happened when you mm -hmm. had a seizure, what happened to you, what you, what was unusual about that day, you know, what led you to the event that you had. So that's probably the most important part of our workup. Um, the next most important part is probably a study called an electroencephalogram or an EEG. It's uh, where we put a, a bunch of electrodes around your head. Um, essentially, they're little stickers like you would get for a heart study, like an EKG or right. something. And uh, we record your brain waves for some period of time. So uh, it doesn't tell us what you're thinking or anything like that. 
Um, or can, what no, kind say, of food I do you imme- like? I immediately thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they could tell what I'm thinking. Uh, but it does tell us uh, a lot about how risk, how at risk you are um, of having a seizure and, uh, you know, about the general organization of the brain um, uh, and uh, um, a number of other things as well. We typically uh, cal- uh, collect this data in the awake and asleep state. So oftentimes we'll tell you to stay up the night before you get the study. Um, the study typically lasts about an hour at our lab uh, at uh, Hamilton Medical Center. Um, and we do, um, you know, hundreds of these studies a year, sometimes thousands, depending. So we have a very good idea for what your brain waves should look like. And that gives us an idea for where your seizures might come from. Well, if you, if, if you are able to diagnose someone uh, as having epilepsy, how are they treated? Yes, so uh, the uh, the treatment uh, for epilepsy is actually uh, quite a broad, um, uh, um, you know, uh, field. The mm-hmm. most typical way uh, of treating, the mainstay of treatment, is um, is medicines. And um, you know, there's been a huge change in new medicines that have come out that address various possible underlying causes for seizures. So there's about thirty to thirty-five or so medicines that are out in the market, and choosing the right one is. Uh, is uh, is very important. About two thirds of patients will respond to uh, medicines. Um, I would argue that most patients will respond to one or two well chosen drugs. Sometimes it takes a little while, a few months, to figure out exactly what will work for the patient. Okay. But uh, um, but most people respond to that. It gets a little more complicated when you're in the one-third of patients that don't respond to medicines, but there are tons of options available for that as well, and we'll be talking about some of those options soon as well. So, that, that's good. Yeah. Time to take a break. Uh, very useful information. I learned a lot about epilepsy and seizures. Thank you so much. Uh, after the break, we're going to be talking about strokes uh, on here on Health for Life. Health for Life. Simply put, that's why Hamilton Medical Center is here. From primary care clinics near you, an accredited chest pain center, a certified joint replacement program, and more, Hamilton is here for you and your family. Hamilton Medical Center, proud to be named number one in the Dalton, Chatsworth, and Chattanooga region for medical excellence in overall hospital care by CareChecks. Learn more at HamiltonHealth.com. If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. And we're back on Health for Life. Today we're talking with Dr. Kabir, a neurologist at Hamilton Physician Group. Dr. Kabir, most of us probably think that we know what a stroke is, but can you describe a stroke for us? We may not know. So um, a stroke is when blood flow to a particular region of the brain is interrupted, mostly due to a clot blocking an artery um, that supplies that area of the brain. Other strokes um, also occur when um, the the artery tears or there's bleeding inside the brain itself. Uh, they're less common, uh, but just as serious. So are strokes common? 
Yes. So um, stroke um, is probably one of the most common neurologic emergencies that we see. In the United States, uh, someone has a stroke every 40 seconds um, and someone dies of a stroke every four minutes. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's a serious disease. It comes to a total of about 800,000 new strokes every year. Um, the problem also with strokes is that many stroke survivors have serious disabilities, including problems with speech, memory, and movement. And it can significantly impact your quality of life after you've had a stroke. Now, can someone prevent a stroke from happening? Yeah. So the major things that you can control um, include risk factors such as high blood pressure, uh, getting heart disease looked at, high cholesterol, diabetes, uh, and smoking. Um, heavy alcohol consumption and um, uh, drug use can be high uh, risk factors, especially in uh, stroke in young patients. Right. So those are all things that uh, you want to uh, curtail as much as possible to reduce your risk of stroke. And you're talking about recreational drugs. I am. Um, the um, uh, incidence of stroke in young patients with uh, recreational drug use has really increased. Um, and, uh, um, you know, uh, patients can be very very, very disabled from a young age onward. So we want to be very, very um, uh, careful about trying to reduce that use and stopping it altogether to try to reduce our risk of stroke. If I'm with a friend or a family member and I suspect they're having a stroke, what are some of the signs of a stroke? I'm glad you asked that. Um, we like to make things as simple as possible in stroke because um, the uh, important thing when you suspect a stroke is to react quickly. So I'd like everybody to look at a little phrase called BFA fast um, and uh, think about what it might stand for when it comes to a patient. Okay. So be fast, B-E-F-A-S-T, stands for be, balance. So did the person quickly lose balance, uh, coordination perhaps? Uh, e would stand for eye changes. So is the patient seeing um, double, seeing nothing in one eye or both eyes that's sudden in onset? Um, F would stand for face changes. So facial droop is a common one. They start yeah, to smile. I have heard that a lot of yes. times. Maybe one side of the face might droop. Right, right. Okay. Or um, difficulty opening your eyes or something, or you're trying to put food in your mouth and it falls out, or water in your mouth and it falls out, right. that sort of thing. So that would be the F. Okay. A would stand for arm weakness. Um, so uh, arm or leg weakness or numbness um, would be something to look for as well. That sudden an onset. Why is my hand not working the way it should be? That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, S for speech. So any speech changes, all of a sudden garbled speech, or you're trying to get a word out and strange words are coming out or nothing is coming out, that would be a, a sign. Now, do um, you see that sometimes? Oh, yes, yes. It's very sad sometimes because, you know, sometimes that'll be the only sign that a patient can't get a word out. Um, the Thankfully, what's great about that is if we can diagnose that quickly, uh, get to a uh, primary stroke center like Hamilton, um, we uh, can often restore a lot of that function, um, you know, oh, by acting good. quickly. Yes, yeah. So I, I want everyone to be as aware of that as possible. Okay. So um, uh, T, um, uh, the last letter, uh, is for time. And perhaps this is the most important part of uh, stroke, um, uh, of diagnosing someone with stroke. When did this happen? You know, um, and acting very quickly. So you see any of these symptoms, any of the other BFAST symptoms, I guess, um, you call 911 right away. Um, that gives the uh, the best chance of, uh, of full recovery. There's a phrase we like called um, time is brain. Um, so the faster 
um, we get a response um, to the onset of a stroke, the more likely, uh, the larger amount of brain we will save and the less likely that the patient will have disabling defects. So, Right. Yeah. I, know that, I, I know that you can die of a stroke, but the, the speed factor, that is so important. When you have maybe a blood clot and part of that brain is just starving for oxygen, they get, if you can get there soon, you might be able to save part of that. That's, That's what right. you're saying? That's exactly right. Um, about, uh, um, given as common a stroke is, about one in three stroke patients never call 911. Um, you know, you say things like, well, maybe my face looks a little different um, or something, but, um, you know, uh, if... Oftentimes, if we um, get the patient to the hospital in time, we may be able to not only save the the, the symptoms you're, you're seeing, but also prevent a more serious stroke from happening, which is the main reason for uh, rushing a patient, um, you know, to recover the injury that's occurred and also to, um, to uh, um, prevent further injury from happening and losing more brain tissue. Mm. Yeah. Is, is blood thinners big in this? Yes. So um, the um, big thing to do is to um, get um, a blood thinner or a clot-busting clot drug into the patient as quickly as possible. Gotcha. These are IV medicines, um, and uh, there's been a lot of research that's been done that's shown excellent um, symptom improvement if clot-busting drugs are administered within a quick timeline. Um, as I say, the faster you do it, the more brain you save. Um, so uh, That's you where really speed want to... is a factor. Absolutely. Great information. Are there different types of strokes? Yes. Um, so uh, the major two types of strokes are uh, what are known as ischemic and hemorrhagic strokes. Ischemic strokes are the ones uh, where blood flow is interrupted by a clot blocking um, uh, an artery. Hemorrhagic strokes uh, talk about are, are talking about uh, strokes where there's bleeding in the brain itself, and that can happen if um, the uh, an artery in the brain splits open for whatever reason. Um, this can happen due to things called aneurysms, where the blood vessel wall is weak. Um, and, um, uh, you know, it can also happen due to other reasons like um, weak blood vessels um, that are genetically weak or due to injury, due to smoking or other um, risk factors, that come, some of the ones that uh, we talked about before. If someone feels like they're having a stroke or if you have a friend or relative and you feel like they're having a stroke, that call to 911 is so important. Is there anything that can be done even as early as getting in the ambulance to get to you? Yes, absolutely. The care of a stroke patient um, starts right away with uh, emergency medical services assessing the patient. So that when the paramedics come, they'll start right away gathering information and preparing the patient for that clot-busting drug that needs to be given. They'll start history gathering and, um, uh, you know, uh, essentially getting the patient to the hospital as quickly as possible. Um Hamilton Medical Center is a primary stroke center, and the reason I talk about this is uh, it'll give you an idea of what happens. Um, so as soon as the patient is seen by the paramedics, automatically Hamilton Me Medical Center gets ready um, to uh, to take care of the patient as soon as, it, as the patient arrives. Um, essentially, a primary stroke center like Hamilton, um, which has earned the uh, American Heart Association, Stroke Association, get with the guidelines, um, uh, quality uh, seal of approval uh, for stroke Gold Plus um, uh, and the uh, Honor Roll Elite Award uh, can really has shown that it can really get um, 
clot busting treatment and stroke care to the patient in as efficient and as effective as possible. And uh, if you call 911, that um, uh, process will start uh, and the patient will stand the best possible chance of uh, doing well after a stroke um, and um, in many cases living um, uh, after a stroke that otherwise might have been fatal. Wow. So you call 91, the ambulance gets there. They're already working on you. They know at the hospital at Hamilton that you're on the way and uh, they've got everything ready when you get there. That's exactly right. We'll start our wheels um, spinning as soon as, or we'll start our wheels turning as soon as uh, you make the phone call. That's very encouraging information. Thank you for sharing all this great information with us. If you could leave our listeners with one word of advice about their health, what would that be? So um, I think the biggest couple of things that I want to get across are um, when patients have brain or spine symptoms that don't seem right, go and get it evaluated. Um, It's possible that it is a severe disease that with the right treatment um, can really be well treated if diagnosed correctly. Oh, and the other thing I would always uh, encourage is uh, stop smoking. Um, that makes everything better um, if you do that. So, I can't think of anything good that has come from tobacco smoking. Unfortunately, neither can I. So it really makes uh, a neurologists very happy if you tell them that you're going to stop smoking in the next little while. That's great. Dr. Kabir, thank you so much for being our guest today on Health for Life. For more information or an appointment at Hamilton Physician Group Neurology, call this number, 706-275-6121. or visit hamiltonhealth.com slash neurology. If you're in need of medical care, don't delay. Your health won't wait. Hamilton Medical Center is ready to care for you. We are following CDC guidelines. Patients and guests are screened for COVID-19 symptoms. Those who are suspected to have the virus are treated in a separate area. Plus, Hamilton's high-powered UV light robots eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and viruses on surfaces. Please do not delay medical care. Your health won't wait. As always, Hamilton is here for you. Health for life. Simply put, that's why Hamilton Medical Center is here. From primary care clinics near you, an accredited chest pain center, a certified joint replacement program, and more, Hamilton is here for you and your family. Hamilton Medical Center, proud to be named number one in the Dalton, Chatsworth, and Chattanooga region for medical excellence in overall hospital care by CareCheck. Learn more at HamiltonHealth.com. Thank you for listening to Health for Life, a presentation of Hamilton Healthcare System.